Hello, and welcome to Troped Out, the podcast where two authors chat with some of your favorite and future favorite authors about all things fiction, especially tropes. Sometimes I am thriller author Emma C. Wells, other times I'm fantasy author M. Shotwell, and over here we have speculative fiction author E.J. Winstrom, and today joining us on the show is Alexandria Belfleur. Alexandria is the best-selling and award-winning author of swoony contemporary romance, often featuring lovable grumps and sunshine characters who bring them to their knees. Her debut novel, Written in the Stars, was a 2021 Lambda Literary Award winner and a 2020 winner of the Ripped Bodice Award for Excellence in Romantic Fiction. Welcome, Alexandria. We are so thrilled to have you joining us. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's jump right in. I know most authors read prolifically within their genre, but I do know you a little bit, and I know that you really, really love romance, like a lot, and you read widely within the subgenres. Can you tell us what is Alexandria Belfleur reading and loving right now? Oh gosh, so much. I mean, my TBR pile is growing every single day. I'm on deadline right now, so I have a lot of books that I want to read that I haven't gotten to yet. But in my free time, what little free time I have, I've been reading, I read Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner, which comes out later this year. I had the pleasure of reading an advanced copy and I loved it. It's an age gap FF romance and it's super steamy. I also recently read The X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. It came out last year. I haven't read her latest release, Weather Girl, but I hope to read it soon. Uh, I also read Love at First Spite by Anna E. Collins a while back, and I loved that. I think that you guys had her on the podcast, yeah. And yeah, so that's what I've been reading lately. Yeah, we had Anna on. She was a lot of fun. We talked all about spite houses and romance and grumps and sunshine. <laughs> Very much. Grumps <laughs> and sunshines. That's been a big hit. Love that. Love that. Yeah, we're, we're big fans. Yes. <laughs> Here's a question that I'm always super curious about. How did you come across these books? So like the one that you're reading right now, what did you say? Mistakes were made. You have an advanced copy right now. Mm -hmm. Super jealous. Oh yeah. I feel like that's the the common feeling that everyone tells me. I'm so jealous that you got an arc of that. Um, I, I was sent it to blurb and I will give it a ringing endorsement. That's how I got, I got, I, that's how I get a lot of arcs. Um, they get sent to me through my agent and my editor, and I feel so fortunate always. I get all the good stuff ahead of time, perks of being an author, I guess. Is there anything like um, in books, like when you're looking and kind of seeing what's out there and people are sending you requests, is there a trope or type of story that is an instant request for you? Like if this is in the book, kind of like an id list thing. If this is in a book, it is an instant request for Alexandria Belfleur. Oh, that's a really good question. I I feel like I'm a little bit of a, I say this a lot, I'm kind of a trope slut. <laughs> I, I really haven't met a trope that I won't read, at least in the hands of a good author. Um, but a, a trope that is a go-to for me that I will like be all grabby hands for is probably anything forced proximity, anything where the characters are shoved together, you know, office romances or Snowden or only one bed, anything that really just like shoves them together. I love. Are you a person who reads many different things at once and kind of cycles through or goes by mood? Or are you a monogamous reader where you read your one book at a time? Oh, I have to read a book at a time. I just get so immersed in a book that like I mean I read fast 
I, I feel like I have to. Um, but yeah, I just chew books up and one at a time. I, I can't juggle more than once, more than one at a time. I just can't do it. I wish I could. <laughs> How many books do you think you read in a week? I'm just curious. Oh, when I'm not on deadline, I can read a book a day. Really? Yeah. yeah. When I'm not on deadline. When I'm on deadline, it's, it's, let's not talk about that. That's, <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's your focus. It's a real one. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Scene. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back when I was reading a lot of fan fiction, I would read like 200,000 words in a day. I would just like wow. plant my butt in a chair and just like chew it up. That's nuts. That's so prolific. I feel like the the romance reading community does like does like the really high churn like churn's not the right word. Volume. Yeah, like the really fast reading rotation. They read a lot. Unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere else. In you know, I've heard people say like, well, romance is lo- lower word count than say fantasy, but that is not the full story. No. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you're reading at the same pace, a fantasy would only take a few days. Right. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. I feel like, yeah, romance readers are prolific readers and the writers are prolific writers. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I can't even spit out as many books as a lot of romance writers, but they're like throwing out like four, five, six books a year sometimes. I just, I don't, I don't understand that. (laughs) I think a lot of it is romance is so readable because the whole arc, it's emotion and it's character emotion like there's external plot sure but you have to have that emotional arc for romance to really work especially because there are required things in romance like a happily ever after and so I hate it when people like in other genres will like kind of like downplay because I think romance writers have to be some of the most talented writers because you know where the book is going to end up and you have to hold a reader's interest even though they know where they're going and that that's a skill I mean it just is any way you spin it you know, in fantasy, it can go anywhere. Like, you can do anything. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's always cheesy saying it, that it's about the journey, not the destination, because you know what the destination is. So right. you have to, like, keep the journey fresh each time. I have a question for you, because I am currently reading Hang the Moon uh, via audiobook. It is really, really good. I'm loving it. The audiobook narrator does a great job. It is just, I was listening to it today, actually. And the premise in this book, just the real short watered down premise is a man is showing a childhood crush that romance isn't dead. And he does this by enacting out iconic love scenes like from pop culture. And I grew up in the back of a video store and love all the old rom-com greats, like from Sleepless in Seattle to like While You Were Sleeping, like all of them. Do you have a favorite movie moment that kind of makes you melt? Ooh, that's a really great question. I feel like I have a few. I, I love the bleacher serenade and 10 things i hate about you that's one of my favorites that's just so so swoony and just i think it's also perfect because it's perfectly tailored to the characters which i think is important for any kind of brand gesture it can't just be a cardboard you know i love you so much it really feels tailored to the characters um that's a big one i like the painting gift in notting hill you know, between Julia Roberts and uh, Hugh Grant in that one. I like that moment at the end. Yeah, I, I have so many, but yeah, I'm a sucker for like late 90s, early 2000s rom-coms. Yes, the 10 Things I Hate About You, I was re-watching that the other day and it really holds up. It's mm-hmm. great. Heath Ledger, like doing the dance and the song through the bleachers is definitely one of my favorites. I'd forgotten about it until the other day. 
I think you're so right too, because it's not so much what the character does, it's why they do it and why it works for the character that they're doing it for. That's a lot of characters, but if a grand gesture would work, if you could like cut it out and put it in any other scenario, then it doesn't work. It has to be very specific, definitely. right? Tailor-made. Yeah, definitely. So what are you working on right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I reached the midpoint in my next book. It's called The Fiance Farce. And it is a sapphic marriage of convenience between a shy bookstore owner who is trying to save her independent bookstore and a newspaper heiress who is moonlighting as a romance novel cover model. And she has to get married by a certain time in order to inherit the majority shares in her family's newspaper business. So it's kind of a mix up of When a Scott Ties the Knot by Tessa Dare meets the 1999 film The Bachelor with Chris O'Donnell and Renee Zellweger which is kind of cheesy. So it's it's very tropey, very campy, farcical, but I'm really excited about it. It's, um, it's, it's kind of bananas, but hopefully in a good way. I have no doubt you can pull it off because one thing I've learned we were talking about before we hit record on the podcast is I find that as a reader, and I read across all genres, like right now I am reading Hang the Moon. I am reading a something of monsters. I can't think of the name of it. A horror book. I'm reading Twitch and Task by E.J. Winstrom and I'm working on my own book. <laughs> oh, and Small Favors, which is a YA, a really creepy, really good YA novel. So I feel like I read across all genres, but I have noticed like by from listening to Hang the Moon, how great you do characters. I feel like sometimes when we read it, a lot of times, not that it goes unnoticed, but we're so engrossed in the story you know, if an author's doing their job that maybe we don't notice. But when we hear the words, I'm just like, damn, on a sentence level, you know, Alexandria has this really figured out and does a really good job. Oh, thank you. So if anybody can do the over the top campy and make it work, I have no doubt that it is you. Oh, thank you. I hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Let's talk about genres that maybe you enjoy outside of romance. In either books or television, movies, theater, whatever, is there a trope that you love that maybe your readers and fans would be surprised to learn about? Ooh, yeah. Okay, so I, outside of like romance and contemporary romance, I'm a sucker for paranormal, specifically paranormal romance, but um, I have actually been rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's my go-to, like comfort show especially when I am on deadline I will binge it I know the dialogue I have the episodes memorized I feel like I imprinted on the found family trope and I do include that in my work but I feel like found family and paranormal is super different um and you know outside of found family maybe like faded mates or like soulmates you don't see that like in contemporary romance but I like that I like that you know external factor shoving characters together. Could you define a little bit more what the difference in a found family is? Maybe in like a contemporary romance versus something that's more speculative, paranormal? Yeah, so obviously in like contemporary, um, I write queer rom-coms, so it's a big thing for, you know, characters to kind of find a community outside of their families and to latch on to that and um, you know, for those friendships to kind of transcend the bonds of, you know, just friends. They, they become 
your real family. Uh, I would say outside of contemporary and something like paranormal, you have like a lot of like brotherhoods or, you know, like not like cults, but like, like, you know, a brotherhood of vampires, um, somebody that's like sworn to some sort of allegiance and, and, you know, warriors, you know, sworn to a specific cause and they become attached to that and become family through that. That's something that I'm a sucker for. It's real big in werewolf books. Oh, definitely. Right? Packs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know why my brain didn't go to that, but yeah, like werewolf <laughs> packs and everything. I'm, I'm big into that too. <laughs> so I started reading Patricia Briggs in the early 2000s. I was huge in paranormal. Like I read all the paranormal books back then. And I don't know why this series has kind of like stuck with me. She does like an urban fantasy and then a paranormal romance. They're two different series, but they kind of like intertwine on different timelines. And it's funny because you're right. Like a lot of stuff that maybe would be cheesy and contemporary, you just accept it and go with it and paranormal. I'm like, oh, okay. Her wolf is imprinted on his wolf and now they're together forever goddess. That, that works for me. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Faded mates and like yes. gaming and yeah, the stuff that would kind of probably present some consent issues in contemporary gets kind of smoothed away in paranormal. Right. Just roll with it. <laughs> right. Unless it's Twilight and then it's really problematic and everyone hates it. <laughs> You're being sarcastic, right? I, yeah. I, I was I was a definite twi hard back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I was I mean like I was never like die hard into it, but I liked it. And I think it gets a lot more hate than it deserves. Like there's there's valid critiques, but there's valid critiques on so many things. And I think that yeah, it has the same kind of like blurred lines that a lot of paranormal does. Ugh. Anyway, well, we don't I have to go if all you the get, way <laughs> If you get popular enough, everybody's going to hate you. It's true. <laughs> Especially if your fandom is teen girls. Yeah. yeah. That's that's our other conversation we always come back to. Yeah. I'll save my full soapbox for another day. I am the only person that has never read Twilight, and I'm not bragging about that. It's not like I'm not like, I've never read Twilight. <laughs> you have to understand. I have a little sister that's just a couple years younger than me, and she was a complete twi-hard, like to the point I would see like Team Jacob stuff and just buy it for her, because I was like, okay, Lori wants this. Um, and I was really big into reading like the Sookie Stackhouse books at the time, and I made the mistake of watching the Twilight movie before I read the book, and... It was before I really got into like fandoms and things. Like I don't even think I had internet at my house, like where we were living at the time, because we were moving a lot. And so I was just like, "Oh, well, this movie's not doing it for me." Um, which my kids love it, but um, so I never read the book. You, and now I feel you like turn the movies into a drinking game. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need to do. We need to do that on the podcast. We need to do like some oh, sort of God, live group event with like. Everybody that's been on, we need to do like a drinking game. <laughs> that can be like our final episode for the year, just yes. like a group Look, live no. event. I've already told you my idea for shot ones, which is like hot ones, but with shots. I like that. I like <laughs> that. That's classic. I don't know why that hasn't already happened. Probably legal issues. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you do it, sign me up. Okay. <laughs> Shot ones featuring Alexandria Belfour. Yeah, that's funny. We're talking, like I mentioned Sookie. Like, so every time I hear Belfour, I always think about those books because of Andy yeah. Belfour. Andy Belfour, yeah. yeah. 
So, you know, we didn't even really ask you about your books. We kind of just jumped in because I'm a fan. So I forget to like say, okay, maybe you should tell us about them because I like them. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your your series, your uh, Count Your Lucky Stars, Written in the Stars, and Hang the Moon. Yeah, definitely. So the series of interconnected standalones, you can read them all separately or you can read them in any order, starts with Written in the Stars, which is a sapphic, opposites attract, fake dating rom-com between a social media astrologer and an uptight actuary who agree to fake a relationship over the holiday season in order to get their families off their backs. And of course, fake dating shenanigans ensue. Um, Everyone knows how romances end, so their fake relationship becomes real. And in Hang the Moon, it follows um, Brendan Lowell, who is one of the main characters in the first book, uh, her brother. And he is a dating app creator and a total romantic and has been in love with his sister's best friend practically his entire life. And when she comes to town to visit Darcy, his sister, um, and Darcy's out of town, he decides he's going to kind of swoop in and convince Annie, who's a little jaded, that romance is real by recreating iconic movie moments from his favorite rom-coms. And of course, it doesn't go right for him. Um, You know, it kind of all goes wrong. Every recreation kind of, he puts his own spin on it and (laughs) there's a memorable Ferris wheel scene. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that's Hang the Moon. And then in Count Your Lucky Stars, it's a sapphic second chance. Friends to roommates to lovers romance featuring a grumpy kind of character who has sworn off love and she's feeling like a fifth wheel in her friend group as they are all coupling up and planning a wedding and the wedding planner is actually her first love olivia who has recently moved to seattle and needs a place to stay so margot gives her a place to stay and old feelings resurface so that's kind of the, the series in a nutshell. <laughs> I am super excited. That is Count Your Lucky Stars, right? Yeah, that's Count Your Lucky Stars. I am a slut for that trope. I don't know if I'm allowed to say slut, but uh, <laughs> anything <laughs> that is like... Here. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't take my podcasting card. Um, <laughs> anything that's like friends to lovers, that gets me, especially if it's like grumpy friends to lovers or if there's history or enemies to friends to lovers. Like Harry met Sa- when Harry met Sally is always on my heart forever. I love that, yeah. Well, to wrap us up, we are going to play a few rounds of Troped Out. Troped Out. We are going to give you... A few different uh, this or that type of options. Don't overthink it. Just go with your gut. Tell us which one you pick. Yeah, just for fun. Like, there's no rules here. No, this is <laughs> for life. This is for keeps. It's very serious. You want to start us, EJ? Okay. Love triangle or reverse harem? Ooh, ooh. Um, oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Oh gosh! Everybody because involved. They're just talk us through it. Yeah. Too. What are the? Yeah. What are okay. The, uh, okay. Okay. So, so I I hate love triangles really really like viscerally because I hate <laughs> that one character gets left out. So I always feel like I want a love triangle to turn into a poly romance. But when it comes to like reverse harem, I'm not sure 
how on board I am with like that many people. <laughs> so, so I feel like I need some like middle ground a little bit. If we can go with like just like a poly romance, and I just okay. like add. <laughs> well, I actually have a question. Follow up. Yeah. How many okay. people have to be involved for it to be a harem? I normally am thinking like I think like a lot, like five or six. People. Ooh, okay. That's okay. like I've read at some like um like shifter harem romances where it's like a whole like pack of werewolves wow. and like one girl. And <laughs> that's always like you know a lot to juggle. It sounds like so. Sounds like work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of sex and eighty thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Em, you want to pick okay. one? Okay. Yeah. So we have to do this one: secret billionaire or secret baby. Oh, secret billionaire, for sure. No hesitation there. No, no. I, secret baby just doesn't, it kind of like pings my like fear of like accidental pregnancy. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, no. We're four for four on that. So far, if you are a fan of secret baby, hit us up on social media and tell us why. Because we need to know. Need Although Mia P. Manansala, yeah, who writes boring. Cozy Mysteries, she did point out that secret baby is different in mystery. And that so in mysteries, yeah. secret baby. In romance, no secret baby. And I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I can see that. Yeah. Assessment. All right. Should we do one more? We can do as many more as you want, EJ Winstrom. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone get comfortable. Okay. okay. To wrap us up, we will step out of genre a little bit. AI uprising or clones? Clones. Clones. I think that provides some, like, juicy, um, you know, coming face-to-face with your, like, you know, not other half, but, like, another version of yourself. Yes. You know, maybe, like, questioning who you are, your own identity. I like that. AI uprising freaks me out a lot. I'm not sure if I could... Yeah. <laughs> well, your response was much deeper than what I was thinking because I was like, "Oh, I can defeat myself a lot easier than an AI robot." That that is true that too. Is. AI <laughs> uprising. Let me tell you how it starts. I had to open the door and call my dog today, and his name is Winston. Winston. And I opened the door and I said, "Alexa, Alexa." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, what is wrong with me?" <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh boy. I like clones too. Like I feel like across lots of genres. Have y'all seen that Paul Rudd show? I think it's on Netflix. I can't think of the name of it. But Google it. Google Paul Rudd clones and get the name of the show. If I was a good host, I would have that. But this is just coming out of nowhere. It is so good. It is so good. And it has a romance element to it. And it's got Paul Rudd. I mean, come on. You know? It doesn't matter. It's a good start. <laughs> I will look that up. <laughs> it's great. Anything clones. Well, Alexandria, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely awesome. So amazing. Uh, why don't you tell us where our listeners can find you online, stay connected, find about your future books? Yeah, definitely. So I am on Twitter at ambellaflor. And I am on Instagram at a.m.bellaflor. The little dots in between are very important. There's someone else with that handle without the dots, and they get testy if you (laughs) them in things pertaining to me. Um, I also am online, uh, alexandriabellaflor.com. I have a newsletter, so you can stay up to date on any future projects. Awesome. For us here at Troped Out, you can find us at tropedoutpod.com on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also TikTok. TikTok. 
Yeah, we're on TikTok. The great experiment. Yeah, we're. If you would follow us on TikTok, it will make our life because I am still figuring it out. I am an elder millennial and I feel so old. (laughs) You're braver than me. I'm just now getting into reels on Instagram. (laughs) I haven't dipped my toe into TikTok yet. (laughs) Whatever. Y'all should follow Alexandria on Instagram. It is amazing. It is very pink and very. It is very, very pink. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. So thanks for listening and please subscribe, review, tell your friends. And check out our bookshop on bookshop.org where you can find Alexandria's books and all of our other guests.